the new year for me and I think for many people often feels like can feel like a time where we get to catch our breath like we just come out of this time where there was Thanksgiving and then you're kind of like catching your breath from Thanksgiving but then you're also preparing for Christmas okay got to get the tree up you know unless you're like us we get the tree up a couple days before Thanksgiving that's kind of our compromise because Katie would like it up and Halloween's over, and the tree is up. Our compromise is a couple days before Thanksgiving, so we come back from family stuff, and the tree's up, and it's all ready. Uh, but you being Thanksgiving, it's like, oh, okay, either you hosted or maybe you went somewhere for Thanksgiving, and okay, that's all. Oh, but now we're preparing for Christmas, either ready to host or ready to go somewhere, getting presents ready, and then, okay, that ho- Christmas holiday is done. Oh, just taking kind of a, a breath uh, of air, catching our breath. But it also can feel like uh, a time for fresh starts. And oftentimes it seems like at the, towards the end of the year, uh, maybe things are kind of feeling crazy with the holidays and people start thinking, like, man, thing, stuff wasn't quite how I wanted it to be this year. Like, life wasn't how I wanted it. There's things I would have liked to be different. There's things I'd like to change. But things are just a little too hectic and crazy right now. You know what? I'm going to... Line in the sand is going to be the new year. That's when things are going to be different. I'm going to stop this habit or I'm going to start this new habit or I'm going to make these goals and you know, I'm just going to put it off and the new year is when I'm going to do that. But right now things are just a little bit too crazy. So it feels like a time for fresh starts or a time for a kind of recalibration of life. Of Like, okay, new year and the, the calendar flips. You know, I don't have all this stuff planned out to my year. There's no commitments and stuff. It's a Brand new calendar, all the little boxes are white. Nobody's (laughs) planned out things for us. And ah, I can just plan things and I can uh, do things anew. No demands have been made for our time. And there's this full 12 months ahead of us for things to be different. And the problem is that it doesn't take long for the old demands that we felt like were crushing our life in the previous calendar to now start crushing our life in this new calendar that all of a sudden all hold same old things from the previous year that we felt like oh there's just too much going on right now for me to change things are now happening in this whole new calendar that suddenly the calendar starts to fill up and the weeks start to fill up and the days start to fill up and the same demands start to come on our life and so we feel like okay the month has changed and the year has changed we got a new calendar but nothing is really new everything is really still the same. I'm the same and people are still making the same demands on me. And the new year feels like this fresh start to make things different. But often we get stuck in the same ruts or we get swept up in the same whirlwind or we get overwhelmed by the same demands of life. And as we start the year off, I want to share from a passage that's helped me a lot uh, the past couple months. I uh, had, was reading a book um, called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Uh, and in that book, this the author shared from this passage, um, and he had, and it was very helpful for me. And I just kept pondering it over the past couple months and what it, uh, its implications are. And so, as we start the new year, I want us to think about our priorities. Often, we think about, okay, what are my goals for this year? And you know, I think I heard a stat recently that 40% of people, sometime in their life, start a New Year's resolution. Uh, and you know, maybe you've done that before, or maybe you just think about, like, okay, maybe what was different what I want to be different this year. Maybe you don't actually sit down and write something out, but maybe you just think like, okay, this year, this is kind of what I would like to happen, or this is my big accomplishment I'd like. Um, and during this time of year, uh, support groups are often more full than you know than any other time of the year. Gym parking lots are often more full than any other time of the year, but slowly but surely all that stuff 
kind of usually dwindles down as the demands of life and cha- you know chaotic things and life happens dwindles down. And so instead of thinking about uh, necessarily goals, I want us to think about priorities. How can we recalibrate in our priorities? And so as we look back at Mark, these these verses we've read, Mark chapter one, we're going to be focusing on specifically Mark chapter 35 through 39. But as we see saw in what we read, Jesus begins his ministry with a flurry of action. Uh, when we get to uh, um, verse 35, where we're going to be focusing, we're only 20 verses into Jesus' ministry, and he's wildly popular. People are recognized that he teaches with authority. He's, he starts <coughs> off his ministry, John the Baptist gets put, some, put in prison, and he's... Uh, Proclaiming the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe this good news. That's kind of his basic message. The kingdom of God is here. It's near. And repent and believe the good news. That God's kingdom has come. God's about to change things. He's coming. He's going to set up his rule and reign on earth. His will done on earth as it is in heaven. And so he's. this is his message. And then we see that he calls his first followers. Uh, they're along the Sea of Galilee. They're fishing. He calls his first followers. And then he's in the synagogue and he's teaching. A synagogue was where Jewish people gathered to hear teaching. Their, you know, temple was the main place in Jerusalem. But then, okay, if you don't live in Jerusalem, you live, you know, 100 miles away, 50 miles away. How do you get to kind of the main place of worship? Oh, you have a synagogue in your town, and you gather there for teaching. And so people would come there to hear teachers. And uh, Jesus goes in the synagogue and he's teaching with authority. And people are like, whoa, this guy is different. He's not just quoting from other teachers like the scribes. He's just telling us this is what God says. And then a guy with an, a demon, an unclean spirit, we're told, comes in and he casts out the demon. And so people are like, whoa, he has this authoritative teaching. He has authority to cast out demons. There's something about this guy. And then we see he has this ability to heal sickness and disease. There's these, he's in uh, Capernaum, the town of Capernaum. And that's where the synagogue is. And um, you can still see the synagogue today. You can go there, and then you can walk, I don't know, it's like uh, maybe like 40 yards from that synagogue over to uh, Peter's house, which is where he goes next. So you can, it's like you can throw a rock to, and hit the synagogue from Peter's house. Um, and you walk, he walks over there, and he's hanging out there. Simon, he's called in this passage. Later he gets renamed to be Peter. Uh, and he goes there, and Peter's mother-in-law is sick. Um, he heals Peter's mother-in-law, and then all these, the whole town, it says, is gathered at the door, and they're bringing people with sicknesses and diseases, and he's healing them, and people with demons are being brought, and he's being casting out them, and so it's just this whole crowd of people. So he leaves that public synagogue to Peter's private home, and still people are just standing at the door looking for him, and so Jesus is wildly popular. But, <clears throat> as we see, He also does something unexpected in verse 35. We're told, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Everyone goes to bed for the night, and then kind of the crowd disperses, and then early in the morning, while it's still dark, Jesus arises, gets up, Departs from Peter's house and he goes out beyond the city limits, goes out to where, you know, kind of the country area um, outside of the town, and he prays. He goes out beyond the city limits, gets alone, and he prays. He spends time with his father. He's a son of God. He goes to spend time with God, his father. 
And then in verses 36 and 37, we're told, uh, And Simon, uh, also known as Peter, and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And so as others awake, they wonder, Where is Jesus? Where, you know, he gets up before everyone else. And so they're like, Where is he? Where is Jesus? And Peter and others, you know, some of the other disciples, go out looking for him. And they're like, where, where is he? Searching around. And I don't know if they see him on, on a hill or what they do, how they figure out where he's at. But they go and find him and say, everyone's looking for you. And it seems the crowd kind of dispersed for the night. And maybe they're starting to come back. Maybe some people aren't sick, but they want to hear Jesus' teaching. Maybe people with diseases are coming and still to the door. Like, hey, we didn't get to the front of the line yesterday, but now we're coming back. And maybe people are bringing relatives or whoever that have demons and they're like, hey, we would like to get this demon taken out of this person. People who aren't able to make it there night before are coming back. And so the disciples go searching for him and then when they find him, let him know, Jesus, there's people coming back to the house who are sick. There's people with diseases looking to be healed. There's people with demons looking to be liberated. They're looking for you. You need to come down right away and start dealing with these people. And verse 38 gives us Jesus' response, which may be surprising. Verse 38, he said to them, let us go on to the next towns. You know, it's kind of weird. Everyone's looking for you, Jesus, down there, or you know, back in town. What does he say? Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. He doesn't say, oh man, well, let's get down there and help those people right away. He, he actually does the opposite. He leaves and moves on to other towns. Jesus moves on because he has a different priority and purpose than Peter and the disciples and even the people in the town. And these people in town who are looking for help, you know, these aren't people with the sniffles. Uh, these aren't people who are like, man, I had a bad day at work or I have you know, this you know, kind of difficult decision to make and I just need some advice. These are people with serious diseases. In the, in the very, if we read the next passage, there's a person with leprosy. Um, so some of these people have leprosy, and it was, if you've ever looked up pictures of people with leprosy, I mean, it's like your skin is dying and rotting off, and like you have bones sticking out of your skin. This is like serious stuff people are coming to get healed of. And Jesus says no to going back into town to heal them. And then there are people who are possessed by demons. In the previous passage, we saw they're convulsing. And then we know later there's people being driven mad and they're living as outcasts, living in you know, graves and tombs because they can't be in society. And they're, uh, they beat people up because they're uh, possessed by demons. And Jesus says no to going back into town to help them. And we can imagine, what would all those people think of him for not doing what they wanted? Like all these people hurting, like, I mean, serious, seriously hurting. Uh, I mean, lepers were like, it was like a contagious disease. Like, you don't hang out with lepers. They're like outcasts. The demon possessed were outcasts. Lepers were outcasts. People that can't be touched or dealt with. And like, uh, Jesus doesn't go down and heal them, doesn't go down and help them. What would all those people think of him for not doing what they wanted? Uh, Jesus is heartless. He doesn't care. He doesn't love us. He has no compassion. He's selfish. Of course, the exact opposite is the case. Because in love, Jesus came to give his life to save all who would believe in him. But Jesus is able to say no to these endless demands that are put on him by this whole crowd of people in this town because he knows his priorities. And his two priorities we see in this passage, which I hope will help us as we enter this new year, 
Jesus' two priorities are this. His first one is Jesus' first priority is to be connected with the Father. So this is, we're not necessarily doing a big idea for today. So these would be the two things, if you like taking notes, to write down. Jesus' first priority is to be connected with the Father. Jesus' first priority is to be connected with the Father. Jesus' first priority is to be connected with the Father. Jesus' second priority is to do the work the Father has given him to do. Jesus' second priority is to do the work the Father has given him to do. So Jesus' first priority is to be connected with the Father. Jesus' second priority is to do the work the Father has given him to do. Jesus' second priority is to do the work the Father has given him to do. So his first priority is relationship, relationship with God. His second relationship is to do stuff, to get stuff done, to take care of what he needs to do in life. But he learns what he needs to do in life because of his relationship with God. That clarifies for him what he needs to be doing because he goes off and he prays, he talks to God, he gets out alone, and he spends his time with the Father. Um, And then from that he knows, okay, this is, I've spent time with the one who matters the most. I have communed with God. I've had a relationship with God. I've spent time alone. You know, Jesus was never wondering about, like, God, do you love me anymore? Because Jesus never had a reason to wonder that. Um, we always need to be reminded that we are forgiven and of God's grace. Um, so Jesus meets with the Father and goes and enjoys fellowship with them. But from that, he also knows, now here's what I need to do as well. I don't need to go down to this town. There's a whole bunch of hurting people down there. It's not that I don't care about them, but I know that I have this other thing I need to do. And But we tend to live with the opposite set of priorities. That we tend to get all the stuff done that we need to get done. And then we, perhaps, will give time to our relationship with God. That we can tend to crowd out our relationship with God. That it's kind of one of the first things that can go in our life. It's that I have just too much to do. And so I'm going to have less time with God, or I'm going to give my relationship with God less a priority. So I just need to get all this stuff done. There's so many things being asked of me, you know, at work or from my family or uh, at, at my house, or I've just got all these emergencies. And we, you know, have all these, you know, if we don't have people coming to us to be healed of diseases or cast out demons. Um, but you, you perhaps do have sick people in your life. You perhaps have people with ailments in your life. You have people who have lots of needs in your life, you know, whether it's kids or spouses or aging parents or uh, just relatives or just people you know. You know a bunch of us, I mean, we're all serving at crossroads. And so, I mean, we, it's like, man, we just have people around us. That it's like these people have needs, like, and I need to take care of them. And so, but then we also have, we're going, people at work are putting demands on me, and we have our houses, you know, that kind of, we have these demands and things we need to take care of, and so we think, I just need to take care of all this stuff, all these people back in town, everyone's looking for me, everyone's looking for me to get things done, so I just need to take care of all that, and then if I have time, then I'll get to my relationship with God, then I'm going to prioritize that. But Jesus does the opposite, I mean, he takes care of the people, but then he's like, I'm going to get alone with God. And that's a priority. All these people are looking for me, but you know, it's like, well, that, yeah, that's you guys are priority two, and so I'm not going to sacrifice priority one for you guys. 
And then also, now I know it's clear I need to move on, even though I care about you, to do this other thing that's a priority. So, <clears throat> since we tend to reverse it, uh, we tend to live with the opposite, doing all the, doing all the stuff before uh, prioritizing our relationship with God. But let's just brainstorm a bit. What are some things uh, that we um, need to do? You know, I know that's kind of a tricky word. What are things that like? without kind of getting too wrapped up in what well do I really need to do that you know like things we need like I need I need to pay my mortgage otherwise I'm going to get kicked out of my house you know kind of thing and you might say well do you really need to do that you could live on the street well, okay but you know let's what are things we like need to do like our kind of responsibilities that we need to take care of sleep sleep that's usually important <laughs> We're just going to eject you from the game marker. Let's try blue. Sleep. Eating and drinking Eat. water. Drink. Maybe put drink water. Yeah. Water. Okay, I see. <laughs> Not coffee or... Uh, be sheltered. Shelter. You need to work. Work. Yeah, usually make money, somehow make money. And be sheltered. <laughs> yeah. That pays for our shelter and typically our. Everything above, yeah. Yeah. If you have kids, you need to take care of your kids. We could say take care of dependents. No, Speaking of. <laughs> Mama. Mama. physical not you know not necessarily thinking about I mean it could be emotional or mental too but not necessarily thinking on the God level yeah. no. be loved saying those aren't things we need it wasn't quite where I was going with the question I'm just thinking of that you said things we need to do Things, right. yeah things we need to do yeah not things we need but things we need to do kind of in life to take care of life but yeah those are certainly things we need to be loved what are like things we need to do like, yeah to like accomplish not necessarily to accomplish that but it's just like it's like stuff I need to take care of in my everyday life if that makes sense so this is valid, just not for this. Not be How come you only? Do we need to develop skills? No. I don't feel valued. I don't feel loved anymore. 
So we need to develop skills. Develop skills, yeah. And use skills. I spend a lot of time cleaning. I was just going to say. Cleaning clothes, cleaning houses. Cleaning. So it could be like uh, taking care of stuff we own. Mowing, house maintenance. So what does somebody say? Bathing? Really? People do that still. Oh. I don't know if it falls within your parameters, but create. Creating. So some we something we need to do is uh, we need to make stuff. Well, we cook. Do you maintain relationships on it? We'll put it on. <laughs> Perhaps my question wasn't well thought through. Including God, so uh, we would need to have time in Bible study and meditation. Yeah, let's leave that for a little later. So this is kind of like everything we need to do except God. Kind of getting at all the, I don't know, like the... Yeah, practical kind of stuff. Um, what was that? Mundane. Yeah, mundane was the word I was thinking of. Well, let's leave it there. And then a second question would be, what are some things we do that we don't need to do? So, for instance, uh, could be like you know, watching the Packer game, which... Probably about you or like well, I, I don't do that or <laughs> need to do it. Watch TV. Katie. Yeah. Time on the computer. Okay. Okay. Watch TV. Computer. Actually, Facebook is good because a lot of people are like always on Facebook. Social media. Facebook, social media. TikTok now. Katie's up on all the cool stuff because the say? kids. TikTok. I don't know what that is. Stress and worry. <laughs> Something we need. So we just spend time stressing and worrying. Yeah. Without doing anything about it. Right. Sort of an activity on it. It's deep, Larry. Anything else we do that we don't need to do? Clean. That's okay. <laughs> all this. A bunch of this stuff. <laughs> Cleaning, bathing. We never put exercise. That's true. Mm, yeah, it's like a. I mean, when you um, because I used to do a lot, sleep too much. You know, sometimes you like just want to be in bed, not do anything. So we could put oversleeping or something, maybe. Wait, also but that's your coping mechanism. You just want to think. You don't want to think about anything else. Yeah, that word over applies to right. overspending, over caring yeah. for people. Yeah. Over Even like taking care of stuff, right? Like, right? like we need to like clean our toilet because we probably need a toilet. But like, you know, if you have a lot of, you know, like for instance, your parents have 400 acres of land. It takes a lot of time to take care of it. They don't really need 400 acres of land. So, feed addiction. Uh, it's 
feet addictions. I put over everything for Bob's. <laughs> Making up words now. You could do shopping. Bob, your first one got cropped off, but now you have like the trunk one. Yeah, <laughs> Bob, there you go. He feels loved again. Yes. <laughs> Validated your existence. Well, I'm thinking it's sort of similar. Not validate your existence, but present your image that you're trying to present. You know, instead of being real and honest, you you like try to hide how you're gonna do this, or you try to be perfect. You're saying in here, or that's what Bob's doing. <laughs> I'm confused. What do you want? For here. Oh, for here. For here. You uh, wait. See. So oh yeah. Manage your image, or yeah. Keeping up with the Jones. I mean, keeping up appearances. Right. Hopefully we've all learned that people will accept you for who you are, but yet we can still try to present ourselves as something else and make a mess of it. Any more that comes? Hobbies? Hobbies, which could be... It's it's kind of like a... Kind of an in-between one because you could. You said watching the Packers. You said watching the Packers was on this list. Horde. 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 Hey, you pointing fingers. Katie says I'm a hoarder, but I'm not. I don't know if that's how you spell hoarding. There's an A after the O. Oh well, there it is. Proof that I don't know what I'm doing. Well, we'll leave it there. For some things. So we we tend to put all of these things before our relationship with God. And that's not to say that uh, God wants us to sacrifice all of the stuff. You know, you just need to not sleep or eat or drink water for me. You know, you need to not clean. You need to not do these things for me. But what we tend to in our priority list is that we tend to have, I'm going to do these things, and I'm going to do these things, and if there's time left over, I'm going to get to God, um, because we tend to, uh, you know, we tend to get through this stuff. Well, I'm going to sleep. And I'm going to eat. You know, what are the kind of the first things? It's like, what are the things I have to get done today? Well, I need to get to work. I need to sleep. I need to eat. Uh, I need to take care of my kids. I need to take care of you know, whatever it is, and it's like, okay, if I have free time, what am I going to do? Well, I need to, you know, get my TV in, I'm going to check Facebook, I'm going to check social media, I'm going to spend some time stressing and worrying, and maybe I'll take another nap or whatever, I'm going to do a thing. And so then, and it's like, okay, if then if I have, you know, some extra free time uh, after those things, then uh, get to God. We tend to try to make it through a lot of the stuff on the first list and then we relax or we procrastinate or we fill time with stuff on the second list. But then we could go through another list of things God... Uh, so that's our priority. This stuff is all supposed to be priority number two. You know, some of these things, it's like, well, those shouldn't be our priority. I know we're all recognizing that, that some of those things are, are bad. Um, all, you know, feeding addictions or doing over, over everything, over eating or over sleeping or whatever. Um, but these are all supposed to be priority number two. And priority number one is supposed to be a relationship with God. And even what God commands is supposed to be, uh, I mean, it should be higher priority than some of these things. I mean, God commands us to do, to do some of these things. You know, you're supposed to be a human being, sleep and eat. Um, but what God commands us to do should be over these things. But it's still number two. Relationship with God um, is priority number one. But 
our, God's commands we even put as a lower priority than some of these things. That, well, God, I know you've told me to do this thing, to love this person, uh, to tell people about Jesus, to live with, in community with other people. But you know what? I'm actually going to do some of this stuff instead. Or uh, I'm going to prioritize some of these things instead. And sometimes we say, well, I need to do these things, God. Um, and then we, you know, so, but then even once we get all those things done, then we move on to some of these things. So it's like, well, it's not, it's not that we say, well, I don't have time to do the things you said. You know, we talk about living as family or loving as servants or going as messengers. And I know you command those things, God, but I've got all these things going on. But then when we get all those things done, then we do these things. And so it's like, well, it's not that we don't have the time. It's that we just fill it with other things that our priorities are are out of whack. And sometimes we need to invite other people into these things in order to live as family. Like, you know what, I do need to be able to sleep or clean or uh, do some of this stuff. And so if I want to live as family, I guess I'm going to have to bring people into that. But none of these things, for, none of these things in this list can give us what we really want and need in life. And we, we seek them for it. We look to them together. We really want to experience love and joy and peace. We want to be fulfilled. We want to find satisfaction. We want to find true rest for our souls. We want to satisfy the ache we find inside of us. We want healing for what we feel is wrong with us. And we, when we look to these things for it, for it, we'll never find it. We were made for a relationship with God. And that relationship has been open to us free of charge. And Jesus came to die for us to open up that relationship with God free of charge to us, that we get into it for free, open, completely. God wants love and joy and peace for us. God wants fulfillment and satisfaction for us. God wants rest for us. He doesn't want us to be scrambling around empty and anxious. You know, think about Jesus could have been very much scrambling around and empty and anxious. All these people, like, wow, God's given me this amazing connection with him and I'm able to heal people and cast out demons. And now all these people just want a piece of me. And now it's just, I'm just scrambling around trying to meet all the demands on me. And just, uh, you know, just a life where he can't even meet everybody's demands and, and can't do uh, anything about it. But he knows his priorities, his relationship with God, and then uh, does what God wants him to do. Because I think, so I've been, last several months, it's been fun to learn guitar, and I'm not going to play a song for you. Maybe someday, I know. But uh, so I've been think, I was thinking about um, this passage with in guitar, uh, and there's kind of a number of things that come into playing guitar that you need to make it sound good. And you know, on the one side, if we're just doing all of this stuff apart from relationship with God and just having trying to get through all the demands that are put on us, it's just like we're kind of playing just a bunch of random notes. And it's just like, here's all these things that are happening, and I'm just kind of doing them. And it doesn't sound like anything. There's no rhythm to it. And it's like, you know, imagine my guitar is in tune, but imagine it's out of tune. It's like, okay, that, that doesn't even sound like, like you're playing a string, but it doesn't even sound like the note it's supposed to be. It's just out of tune, and it's all random. And, you know, if you think about your life, does it just feel like a bunch of random notes just feel like scrambled and kind of like, you know, I'm sure, sure if I just did, you know, you know, just sit here for 30 minutes and listen to me do that. Like, by the end of that, you just feel really anxious. Like, does your life feel really anxious? Um, does it just kind of feel off, like out of tune? Um, and it doesn't sound good. Um, but it's also possible 
you know, if I were to crank all these little little knobs uh, and make it so these strings were all out of tune uh, and weren't uh, in you know, tune to the correct note, um, something I learned when I was first starting to play, somebody suggested, like, you should always tune it. The first thing you do before you sit down is tune the guitar, make sure it's all, all the strings are good, because you could play all the right notes that you want to play, um, but even if you played them, the right note, it would still sound wrong if it wasn't in tune. And so maybe you've gotten to a place where it's like, okay, I know, we could know all the right things we're supposed to do. Like, God, I know what you asked me to do. Like, hey, God, I'm taking care of all my responsibilities in life. I'm even obeying all the commands that you wanted me to do. But if we're playing all those, all the notes, but they're out of tune, I mean, that's, it's in tune, but imagine it was out of tune, it's like, well, I see that you have your fingers on the right, on the right, uh, strings, but it doesn't sound right. You know, and you would, it would be like we'd be playing the notes we know we're supposed to play, but it still wouldn't sound right because we'd be out of tune. And if we prioritize all the things we're supposed to do, but we never do priority number one, which is our relationship with God, we would never have our hearts in tune, and we wouldn't be playing, even if we were playing all the right notes. We might have good things on this list. There might even be good things on this list of things that we do that we don't need to do, you know, like hobbies. It's like, well, you know, you could argue that hobbies are actually like a really necessary thing of like having a good outlet. Like guitar is a hobby for me, um, and it's been a good outlet. I mean, people can argue that Facebook is a good outlet. Watching TV, like Katie and I watch shows on TV, and it's like, oh, it's a good outlet of, you know, being able to watch something creative that we enjoy, um, and it's something we do that we don't feel necessarily guilty about. Um, but it can all be done you know, kind of out of tune with relationship with God if we're looking to it to give us something only God can give us. And apart from relationship with God, we'll just do all the things in life out of tune. And so do you feel like, man, I'm doing all the stuff that, um, I'm doing a lot of things. Like I've gotten, like I'm involved with church stuff. I'm doing, you know, living in community. I'm serving. I'm trying to tell people about Jesus. And I'm coming to worship gatherings. I'm coming to Friday night stuff. I'm serving at Crossroads. But it's like, yeah, it just kind of feels off. Like, doing all this stuff that I know I'm supposed to do, but it kind of feels off. Like, I don't feel love and joy and peace when I'm doing it. I'm having a hard time doing it with, you know, peace and gentleness and, uh, and self-control and faithfulness. Like, it just doesn't feel right. Like, it might be because you prioritize doing all this stuff for God without prioritizing relationship with Him. And so... Getting our first priority relationship with God changes how we play the notes so that we actually sound like a beautiful song, so what we're doing feels good and sounds good. So a goal for this year is to live for God out of a deep relationship with God. To live for God out of a deep relationship with God. I want to encourage you to think about starting one habit this year to increase your connection with God. Start one habit this year to increase your connection with God. And I want to give you four suggestions of what what those habits could be. Um, Ones I found helpful that a lot of people actually say, you know, if you read like books on spiritual disciplines or whatever to help you connect with God, like these are four that uh, people really go to. But one habit to increase your connection with God. And maybe you're already doing all four of these. Maybe you'll just be like, you know, how can I get more consistent with that? Or maybe how can I bump that up? Or maybe you'll just celebrate, this is awesome, I'm doing this already. But we have a hard time prioritizing our relationship with God because we let everything else 
else in life dictate what our life looks like. That you know, Jesus could have let all those people that are saying, everyone's looking for you, everyone has all these needs. He could have let all those other people dictate what his life looked like. Let the urgent, we let the urgent crowd out the most important. And then we, then we get the urgent done and we settle for lesser things after we get it done. All this stuff feels much more urgent than our relationship with God. And then once we get that urgent done, well, then we settle for lesser things. And so four, uh, well, um, I want to give you those four habits, but I want you also to think about uh, what can you keep doing? So it's not just like, I need to start something new, but what can you keep doing? You know, celebrate how you're already pursuing a relationship with Jesus. What are you already doing right now that you need to keep doing? And it's like, man, I'm doing this, and this is a good thing, and I need to keep doing it to keep being connected with God. Celebrate how you're already pursuing a relationship with him. What are you, why are you going to keep doing this year? And then what are you going to stop? Because to start something new, you have to remove something old. Because if it's like, well, my life is, if asked any of us, you know, what's your life like busy? Do you have a lot of time? No. <laughs> How many of us would answer like, maybe I just have so much time on my hands. Uh, I don't even know what to do with it. Like most of us would answer like, I don't have much time. Uh, but the reality is we've chosen how to spend our time, and if you want to add something new in, you need to stop something that's already there. You need to make space uh, to have to make more time for relationship. And so what are you going to stop? And so lastly, start, uh, pick one new habit for the year. And these these are like getting in shape or starting a new exercise. You know, if you ever tried to start doing bench press or squats or, you know, some sort of exercise that probably, uh, I don't know, you know, any sort of exercise, it's like takes time to get the form down to actually feel like you're doing it right to get uh, to feel strong at it. Uh, it takes time to get good at them. There's not immediate results. It's not like okay, I just did one set of this of squats, looked in the mirror, and wow, look at me! I'm uh, I just look amazing. It's more like I feel horrible. <laughs> I just I didn't feel good doing it. I feel horrible now afterwards, and I felt super awkward. And it's this cumulative effect that takes time to feel good. So four practices to prioritize connection with God. One is scripture. They all start with S. Scripture, silence, solitude, Sabbath. Scripture, silence, solitude, Sabbath. Scripture, silence, solitude, Sabbath. So getting in the Bible, whether it's two minutes, five minutes, 30 minutes, and I encourage you not just to read it, but have a prayer response after you read it. Of whatever you read, either write down a prayer of response of this is you know what we just read today, and then praying it uh, back to God of like God, you, know, you you heal people here, you cast out demons. I want to believe that you heal people, and I you know you you tell that there's demonic forces today and. You know, open my eyes to that reality and that I wouldn't be afraid of that. That I'd be a light in this dark world. And you know, Praying to God whatever you've read, and that's a way to get Scripture in our hearts and our lives. And so maybe you're like, man, Scripture isn't much a part of my life, and maybe you make it a goal. I'm going to open my Bible five minutes a day, and I'm going to respond to it in prayer in that moment, or I'm going to do it for 30 minutes. Silence. Uh, silence and solitude are kind of similar or go together. But silence is taking a moment... And just uh, sitting. And so often, we don't take time to quiet down. 
to listen to and discern what is going on inside of us. But that's where inside of us is where the Spirit of God is. That's where Jesus says the Spirit's going to be inside of us. And so often we're just dealing with everything outside of us. And we never take time to sit and actually be silent and let things inside of us be there and be listened to and just to let ourselves be. And I started doing this practice of silence, um, trying to take um, three times a day where I, I put a one-minute timer on my phone at the beginning and at the end of my scripture and prayer time. I sit for a minute and I just sit there. And it's actually like kind of hard at first because I'm so used to going. Like, okay, wake up in the morning and it's start time to go. And it takes uh, a discipline to be to stop and just be like, I'm just going to be okay with stopping right now. And, you know, everything's okay if I'm not just moving and uh, working on stuff. Uh, so maybe picking a time in your day or in the start of the morning or at night, you know, I'm just going to set a one-minute timer or a two-minute timer. I'm going to sit in silence. I'm just going to breathe and listen to what's going on inside of me. Listen to God. Listen to the Spirit inside of me. Solitude. Scripture silence. Solitude is getting alone, uh, getting uh, away from other people. Maybe it's taking a walk in nature, going to a coffee shop. Uh, you can put headphones in maybe. Um, taking some time um, to be with God by yourself for an extended period of time. Um, could say like, you know, once a quarter, I'm going to try to take two hours on a Saturday or a Sunday uh, to go and be alone or once a month or something. And Katie and I have found, you know, this is kind of time of Sabbath. Like I'll cover Sabbath next. But solitude time is like we so often, we'll take extended periods of time for all kinds of things. Like, oh, I'm going to go on vacation or I'm going to block out time for everything except for God. Like, what? I can't find two hours of time to just go off and be alone with God. Well, what? I block off two hours of time to watch a movie or to go on a vacation or to take a drive somewhere. It's like, why can't I block off an hour or two to go off and be with God and hear from Him, the most important relationship in our lives? Um, And so solitude is about getting alone with God of how Jesus did. He went off by Himself and prayed be alone with Him. Last one is Sabbath. This is a principle that goes all the way back to ancient times in the Bible. Um, but it's a 24-hour period where we stop our work, um, where we rest, uh, where we delight uh, in God's creation and who he is, um, and we contemplate him and who he, uh, who he is. And we can think about before G's. Um, Katie and I started doing this uh, this year where you know, five days a week we work, or we do our jobs, um, on the sixth day, we usually were doing our chores and our, like, our household stuff and errands. Um, Saturdays typically is, we, that's when it's like, okay, whatever we didn't finish, you know, can feel like, well, there's so much to do. We need to mow, we need to do this for the house, we need to do this. Nope, doesn't matter. Saturday, we do not work. Anything that feels like work, we don't do. There's some exceptions, you know, we don't have to make a, this thing where it's like, well, if I do this and if God doesn't love me, it's like, but it's like we do not do anything on Saturday. That is work. And we just try to hang out with Hudson, hang out with each other. And then the way we do solitude, because we have a, a little kid, and it's like that's kind of hard for us to be like, yeah, we're just going to go off and spend time alone. And it's like we just alternate. So if you have little kids, we just alternate um, giving an hour and a half uh, 
every other week. One week, I'll take an hour and a half. Katie watches Hudson. Next week, Katie will take an hour and a half. And I'll watch Hudson, and we'll just alternate every week, like, you know, get out of the house and go spend that solitude time together. Um, so pick one of those four practices um, to implement this year. Scripture, silence, solitude, and Sabbath. And I say, you know, implement this. I'm not saying implement this week. I'm not saying implement this month. I'm not saying implement this year or this quarter. Implement this year and give yourself a year. Maybe you'll be like, you know, I've got this down after two months or something. I'm going to do another one. But I've just found that it takes tweaking over time. And it's about uh, pursuing God. And it's about making progress. And it's not about perfection. It takes time to learn new things. And so pick one of those for this year. Scripture, silence, solitude, or Sabbath to implement in your life. And our desire should be to be a community deeply connected with Jesus and living for him out of that relationship, um, not just you know frantic doing all the stuff that we think we're supposed to do and you know playing all these notes um, that we that we think we're supposed to do, we know we're supposed to do, that we know the Bible tells us we're supposed to do, but then we're people that are out of tune with him, not in relationship with him, that we want to be deeply connected with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage that we see Jesus extremely committed to his relationship with you, that he values it above all else. Would you let us be people of similar priority, of the same priority? Would you help us to weed out um, what is unnecessary in our lives? Would you help us to embrace the gifts that you give us that uh, of good things that... Uh, that you've given us um, that add um, value and delight to our lives. Would you especially help us to prioritize you amidst all the things that we may feel like we need to do. It's your son's name we pray. Amen.